podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Dat Coop Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Two terrific guests coming your way, plus a fantasy capsule from Marley as well. Tom Deacon, comedian, presenter, all-round good guy and friend of the show, drops by in a little bit to rattle through our fast picks. Uh, always going to have fun with Tom, so looking forward to that. We're leading off, though, with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Anytime. So we're going to key in two or three big games this weekend with you. Before we do that, a couple of bits of news I want to ask you about, considering you are, of course, an ESPN insider and I'm a company man. Uh, <laughs> the 17-game regular season. Looks like we're getting that little bit closer, don't we? Doesn't it? For, for the 2021 season. But tell us more about what's being uh, discussed over the last few days. Yeah, so the owners met yesterday. Uh, to discuss all issues around the league. And that was one. And they discuss when they need to implement this because they have a three-year window in the can. It's between 2021 and 2023. So any of those three years, they can do it. Um, so they've created a loose proposal for what that might look like next year. But because of COVID-19, some of the changes, I'm told that's not necessarily a slam dunk. Uh, maybe they wait till 2022. But I think the expectation all along, though, um, barring any changes, is that as soon as they could get to that, the better, because that means more revenue for everybody. Um, so, you know, if, if not in 2021, then definitely 2022. Is that how it's been sold to the players ultimately? Because of course, as you say, you know, money makes the world go around. The owners are going to take yeah. any opportunity to make more of it. But the players resistant initially, have they come around to it now? Have they been placated by, by the team ownership saying that there's more in it for you as well? No, <laughs> they definitely have not. Like the players, they don't want it. They were clear about that from the beginning. I think that's why the uh, collective bargaining agreement vote was really close. You know, I mean, it was basically 51% to 49% almost uh, because of that 17th game guys are passionate about it, but it, you know, they did recognize it brings in extra money um, and they liked other parts of the deal enough to offset their displeasure with that game, you know? So I, I think at this point, they just look at it as the cost of doing business. What does that do long-term do you think for, for preseason, are we going to likely see preseason cut down to three, two, maybe even no games and just scrimmages? What's your take on that? Eventually, I think it's going to be like a slow decline. I think you're on the right track there. You know, there's, I mean, there, there's so many, uh, so many players already that don't want it. Um, it does bring in some revenue, especially locally. So I think they can find a sweet spot. Um, I, I do see it, you know, decreasing eventually to maybe three or two games. Uh, I think most players and any coach, even teams agree, like you might not need four. Um, but this year with having no games, it was, it was tough because you, you have so many like undrafted free agents and players coming up. Like, like some, some teams and good teams are, compri- are composed of like 30 to 40% of guys that were not drafted and are right. just coming up through the system. So you need to be able to see those guys in game action. So I think they can find a sweet spot. And I think eventually two games would be good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Bill Belichick's percentage is presumably about 68% of his, <laughs> of his roster is undrafted. Right. Um, other quick bit of news, the playoff bubble. So they're not going to be mandatory, it's been announced, going into right. the postseason. Does that mean that is that, a, is that almost a semantic point that actually they'll all be in bubbles, but the league isn't imposing that they have to be? Right. So like, the, there was some discussion about, like should, for the playoffs at least, should we make teams stay in a hotel you know, not necessarily at a remote location in like an Orlando or somewhere. 
but just get a place where they can hole up for a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, even that, I heard from the beginning that there really wasn't a lot of push uh, for a bubble scenario. They just, they never thought it would be feasible in part because of the numbers of the football you have not only 54 players on a roster, I mean, hundreds of staff members. It's just, it's a little different dynamic than say the NBA. Right. Um, so because of that it made it more difficult from the beginning, I think they were open to some possibilities, but for them, they're looking at this as maybe a common ground and hopeful that teams can, can sway guys to go stay in a hotel. Um, but you know, for the most part, teams have trusted their veterans and you have guys that are, have, you know, two kids and, they just want to go to work and go straight home. I think it, it's more concern for the younger guys who might be more inclined to try to go out. Mm. Um, so they want to have a hotel to say, no, you're not going out, you're staying here, you know, mm. and they can kind of nudge them in the right direction. Let's hope the Raiders will make the playoffs then <laughs> in that respect. Uh, all right, <laughs> let, let's get down to, to business. Chiefs Saints, possibly one of the games of the season if Drew Brees plays, and that's the first place we'll go with this, right? Because he's potentially he can, he's activated. But what's your hunch? Do you think the Saints gamble? Because a rib injury is something that, you know, there can be pretty quick regression if he's rushed back too soon. Yeah, we're going to see probably in the next two to three days, they're really going to test him out in the practice field. It will be a slow progression. Uh, and, and I'm told they're comfortable going with Taysom Hill again. He's played pretty well. You know, they lost last week, but they're, they are um, – you know, they feel like they can game plan around him and, and, and win some games. So uh, I think it will be a close call. I think they'll, they'll play it well into the weekend probably. Um, and then, you know, by Saturday, they would have to make a decision and activate him. But uh, mm. it's, you know, Drew's one of the tougher ones. So like if, if, if he uh, can fight through it, he will, but we're talking about 11 different uh, ribs that have been damaged in this whole process. Wow. Um, so it's quite painful. And so I, I just don't know if they want to risk him, especially when they're going to be probably at least the number two seed in the NFC playoff picture. Right. They've they got to, stack, I guess, stack up w what there is in terms to, uh, to play for, for for the rest of the regular season. It's interesting you say that, that Hill's been, been looked you know pretty, pretty tidy because he has. I think that's a fair shout. But I'm interested on your perspective, Jeremy, on what this means long-term, because we all, I think, feel this is Breeze's last year, right? So this is very much an audition for Taysom Hill and, and Sean Payton clearly is yeah. very supportive of Hill. And it, from reports of, to be believed when there was a discussion internally between Jamison and Taysom Hill, you know, Payton was very much keen to see what they've got mm -hmm. in Hill. Based on what we've seen from him in that Teddy style cameo, has he done enough, do you think, to earn the starting job next year? I don't know if he's done enough, but he's made a compelling argument to go that direction if they have to. Um, but even talking to Saints people like back around the Super Bowl time, like, you know, in February, they were saying like they were predicting the loose plan would be that Drew would play one more year and then Taysom would take over the next year. And then Drew and Taysom are very close. They're good friends. Um, so it would be sort of a natural progression. They did Taysom Hill's contract in such a way where he's got one more year left on his deal. They gave him $16 million in guarantees for this year and next. So if they want to give them one year and give them a shot, it, it, it's pretty cost effective. You know, it doesn't hurt them to do that. Mm. Um, you know, they have Jameis Winston, uh, who they like. Uh, he's the backup right now in a one-year deal. Um, even when, in the time he played, though, it was a little erratic. And, you know, he's just always had that mentality where he might throw an interception. I think Tasting's probably the safer pick for them as far as he's not going to get them in trouble uh, as far as turnovers. So, Mm. Uh, I could see them giving him a shot in 2021 as the guy. I, I really could, but I, I don't know if they'd go too far beyond that. Mm. Okay. On to Breeze's counterpart, 
it, with the Chiefs, one of the most mercurial players I think we've ever seen, of course. So it's odd when you see Mahomes struggle and relatively speaking, when a quarterback like Mahomes is, is, is struggling, but certainly throwing three picks in a game, he's never done that before, right? And right. going into the game against Miami, we figured that there might be challenges for him because of, of, of Brian Flores and, and right. the way he, he approaches football and the way he's approached Miami and built this team around the defense the way that they they narrowed the field for him and and contained him is that something that the Saints uh, do they have the personnel to to replicate that game plan do you think uh they do actually I I think probably pound for pound the Saints are the the most talented team in the NFL Mm -hmm. um as far as we go across rosters they have top 10 players at their position at, at almost every position um so they do have that ability you know the the Dolphins um are probably a little more opportunistic with uh, their ability to create turnovers. They've been really good. You know, Xavier Howard, their cornerbacks, that, you know, is going on 10 interceptions. He just, you know, he made that one-handed catch the other day. He just, he has a knack for it. So I don't know if the Saints have those guys specifically, um, but they have enough to give Patrick a lot of problems. Mm. Uh, that game was curious, that Miami game you mentioned, because you see Mahomes make these incredible throws all the time, but his, you know, his body is contorted and it, it doesn't look like he has good fundamentals. When he does it, he always makes it work. Uh, but then the other day was it, it, when he when he gets picked off and makes some of the throws he does, it's like, well, yeah, that should be happening all the time because right. like he just you know he, it, everything looks uh, so off balance, and right. so I think that gives defenses maybe at least a little hope that maybe he's regressing back to the mean a little bit. His regression is very slight compared to everybody else's in the league, <laughs> right. uh, but I, I think they're you know maybe hoping late in the year that they figured some things out. Mm, it's interesting. They've got a banged up, more promise for, for the Saints, a banged up offensive line, the Chiefs going into this one, right? Both yeah. tackles carrying knocks. So we're recording this Thursday, right? So you've got to kind of watch on either side of the line there. But that's going to be an interesting battle in the trenches. Do you think, Jeremy, we're sleeping a little bit on this Chiefs pass defense? Because when we look at the Chiefs and inevitably in, in, a, in a league where we obsess with the offense and you've got mm-hmm. a player like Mahomes and, and an architect yeah. like Andy Reid. It, it's understandable. And, and the chief's fallibility is, in recent years has been defensively and particularly the run defense. Right. But are we sleeping a bit on this past defense? Is it better than, than perhaps we give it credit for? I think so. I, you know, Bashad Breeland has been a good player this year. Yeah. Um, you know, the Jerry Sneed is, is a, a rookie that came on for them. Um, I think their, their three to four man cornerback group is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you had Tyron Matthew, uh, you know, who's always around the ball. Um, they have a good pass rush. So, you know, anytime you have a good pass rush, you can create some problems for the quarterback where they're throwing into coverage they shouldn't be, you know. So uh, I think as a result, the Chiefs always have a chance. Just they're a little erratic. They'll have those games. Uh, where they're not doing much. And you saw the Raiders game a few weeks ago against Derek Carr. could kind of do whatever he wanted that game. It just uh, – so they have these lapses, but I, I do think they have a chance to be really good. Mm. In terms of the, the the playoff picture, right, these two teams are obviously bound for the postseason. Yeah. We had uh, O.C. Human, you were on our show last week, and, and O.C. and I were talking about the AFC uh, race, which seems to be a bit more clear-cut. It's the Chiefs and then everybody else. I think the NFC is a bit more clouded. And I asked him – specifically in the AFC, which team he feels is most likely to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, right? Assuming everything goes to to plan, to form, to type, and the Chiefs are in the championship game, who's going to give them the most trouble? Who can slug it out with them the most? Which team do you think that is in the AFC that is most likely to run in the closest? You know, I'm, it's, that's tough. I'm inclined to say Buffalo, mm. even though I, I just 
they make me uneasy. I still feel like they can have those games where Josh Allen regresses and um, and they can't do much and the defense is middle of the pack. But, I, you know, I think if everything's working for them and it seems to be right now, like the defense was really good last year, mm. wasn't so great this year, but they also had some injuries. They're now getting healthy. So I wonder if they can – they looked against Pittsburgh last week like they were getting back their groove. Mm. Um, and at the least, they don't give up a lot of big plays. They're good at that. And Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, they thrive on the big play. So at the very least, they can make Mahomes, you know, churn out 380 yards downfield all day, but they might not kill him with the, the over-the-top pass. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Josh Allen, if he figures out a game pretty early with, like, his protections and the way he's seeing the defense, he gets really hot, you know. Mm. And, and so it's if he can have one of those games, I think they do have the best chance. And, and Pittsburgh, I'm not throwing them out yet. You know, like they've right. had a couple bad games, but um, I do think they can figure it out. They can either get the running game going or some semblance of a deep pass. Uh, the defense is good enough to keep them in every game. Yeah, big time. I think everyone's inevitably, you know, recency biased is diving off that Pittsburgh train far too soon. Let's talk Patriots-Dolphins because this, you know, Flores, the aforementioned Flores yeah. against uh, the guy that brought him up. Um, yeah. So for defensive purists, this is going to be a treat, right? <laughs> Watching this one. And there's a lot riding on it for Miami because after the Ravens win against the Browns, the Dolphins can't really afford a loss, right? They're, yeah. And they're, they're a bit banged up as well. Gesicki has been brilliant. He's likely out of this game yeah. uh, with a shoulder injury. And we know just how good Belichick is against young quarterbacks. I mean, the stat is insane. Something like, I know. where is it? Hang on. I've got it. Uh, five of 20, right? So this is rookie quarterbacks, one five, lost 20 against wow. Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So the possibly the biggest test of, of, of Tua's career, brief career to date. Uh, is this a dangerous game for the Dolphins as a result? Yeah, now that you said that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's you saw what they did to the Chargers a couple weeks ago. Justin Herbert is, is right. has had by far the best uh, quarterback rookie year, and they couldn't score a point. Um, so he has a way of mixing up coverages and, and like, uh, confusing what you're seeing out there. He's just really good at that. And so, but, you know, Brian Flores knows that. Maybe he knows mm. some of the old tricks – can get to adjusted. Uh, what hurts Miami is you're right. The playmakers, Jacecki, uh, Devonte Parker, is, is dealt with like some hamstring leg issues yeah, all right. year. Um, they already didn't have a lot of firepower. I think that's a team that um, you know they try to rebuild their offensive line. Uh, they try to rebuild their defense. That's all going really well, uh, but they need some playmakers, and they can't get that till next year. So yeah, that's sort of the problem this time of year is do you have enough firepower? Uh, to, to squeeze into the playoffs, especially yeah. if, you know, the Ravens are now coming on, Browns are nine and four. It's going to be tough. Yeah, and the, the ground game is struggling as well, isn't it? That, you know, similar to the to the Steelers in that respect. Yeah. If um, if they beat New England, incidentally, Miami, they will uh, get a, a, a guarantee a better record uh, than the Patriots since two thousand two. Extraordinarily, um, hmm. who do you think is set up out of these two franchises for? greatest success greater upside over the next five years do you think between the patriots and dolphins yeah i mean i'd have to say the dolphins um right. you know because the, the the patriots defense it hasn't been as dominant as it was a year ago um, they have a lot of aging parts i, I say all this knowing that, like every year <laughs> i just feel like the patriots are at the very least going to be competitive right you know i mean they're probably the roster probably isn't a six and seven roster right now, but that's where they sit because they've yeah. been able to squeeze a few out. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at this, look at this roster in the hands of almost any other, 
you know, coaching personnel. And you've got to give McDaniels credit as well for, for getting stuff done with limited resources as well. But Belichick in particular, right? I mean, any other any other head coach, they'd, they'd be, you know, two and nine or whatever. You know, they'd just be totally, they, they'd be in the playoff mix. They're still mathematically yeah. in the playoff mix. It's extraordinary. I know. And it's their problem is, you know, where do you find the quarterback? Um, mm. You know, Cam Newton, it just, it's become pretty clear that he's not the same throwing the ball. Um, he's on the one-year contract. So do you try Jared Stidham next year as a backup? Or do you try to draft somebody? And, you know, you're not going to be – you're not going to have a top-10 pick in the draft at this rate. So you kind of got to figure it out. They're going to be stuck in the middle there. Um, yeah. I trust their staff to be able to figure that out, but it, it's there's no guarantee. Um, you know, and two has no guarantee yet either with Miami, but at right. least, you know, they have a high pick. They've invested in it like that they've seen so far. So seem, he seems to be on the right track. Do you reckon they'll do that with Stidham? If uh, I mean, they, I don't think they can feasibly think they're in the playoff race. But once they, you know, officially knocked out, if they lose against the Finns this weekend, do you think they might give Stidham the last few games to take a look at him? I could see if they go six and eight, they'd look at it. Um, it, it that's a weird one because I, I thought it, the, the the off season played out like I thought and like I didn't thought or like I didn't think because I thought they liked Stidham enough to where they could add a veteran quarterback. Uh, and still give Stidham a chance to win the job. In other words, like they wouldn't go sign Philip Rivers. They would sign somebody who's maybe less of a threat. Um, but then Stidham was just totally out of the picture, had no chance to win the job. So it's like at some point, maybe they're seeing something they just don't like in him. Right. I think they like him, but then they're, they're just concerned about whether he can uh, protect the ball mm. and not turn it over. And so, um, but they, at some point, they have to give him a chance. You know, you got to give him maybe a game or two in full just to see you know um and so i do think if they go to six and eight or six and nine he'll get maybe one game yeah okay it, that is interesting yeah because for a long time there yeah we're set with them we're good we're not looking at quarterback in the draft and then you know, yeah and another deal for cam was probably too good to refuse right but yeah it's a great point Sidham's just yeah. been forgotten super quick one more for the road uh, as they say uh, the colt mccoy revenge tour <laughs> yeah. uh, the browns giants and this is assuming of course danny danny dimes doesn't play which um, yeah is he's questionable right so start with the browns it was interesting watching uh, you look at your your twitter feed around the the brilliant monday night football game uh you were quite up on baker right uh, rightly so right that that was you know back-to-back weeks now baker is yeah. confounding his, his critics do you think he's turned a corner so i th- i think he is turning a corner I, i'm not ready to go all the way there yet um he's got uh a really good system around them, a great running game, a coach who's utilizing them the right way. Um, you know, a lot of quick decisions, you know, he's, he's not putting them in, in too much fire where you're, you have a chance to throw an interception. Uh, but I, I give him credit. I mean, he's got a probably better arm strength than maybe I thought. I knew he had a good arm, but it's like, you know, he's really uh, firing the ball around. Uh, his decision-making has been a lot better this year. And, you know, last year, the Browns coaching staff had a, had a lot of problems um yeah you had they hired freddie kitchens who was on a one-year experiment it didn't work out there was a lot of like dysfunction and unorganization so i don't know that he had a full chance last year to really get it together and uh you know but like it was three or four weeks ago he he wasn't really doing a whole lot um he was kind of managing the game and and was missing some throws so you know i think that these last three games are still important for him but i I do think he is turning the corner and and can be a long-term answer for them yeah it it seems to be how will the Browns approach this, do you think, given the back-to-back weeks now, extraordinary first half against the Titans, and then yeah. 
in one of the games, maybe the game of the season shootout, that then it's going to be deflated for losing it. But they're going to, when they've had a few days to reflect, feel galvanized that back to back weeks now, they have looked like a serious, serious contender. I think so. But, you know, you still have to play the Steelers. You still have some tough games coming up. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to reminisce too much. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I, I think the coach, Kevin Stefanski was smart in, in saying, well, you know, we're certainly not going to take a moral victory here. Because sometimes you hear teams say, hey, we played really well. We can compete with anybody. And he's like, no, we lost. Mm. Uh, and we have to eat that and move on. And so I think that was smart, um, you know, because they, they, they don't want to cap their ceiling as just being a team that got really close and won some games and good job. You know, I mean, he, he wants this team to contend right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think – and the Ravens are far from a perfect team. They've had a rough year. So, I don't, you know – I don't think it wasn't like he lost by five to the chiefs. It's different. You know, the Ravens are a different mm. team this year. Um, you know, certainly they're, they're getting better now and Lamar's playing better, but um, you know, that was a winnable game. So I think if anything, it's going to give them more of an edge uh, to say we're, we're still not good enough. Uh, that's mm. the sense I get talking to people yeah. over there. It's a good point. Uh, and in terms of the, that running, they've got the jets and the Steelers after this, the Browns that's week 17, the Steelers. So depending on yeah. again, how the playoff picture plays out they might be resting some starters for that uh the ravens have the jags giants and bengals so you know barring something extraordinary happening that should be th three wins in the bag right you'd think uh although you think uh, all these we, teams have the jags and the jets late in the year it's like the perfect gift <laughs> right one win one more for you on the giants and uh, we mentioned daniel jones going forwards do you get the sense that he is their guy joe judge's guy that one's tough I, they do like him I, I know they do like him and some of the things he's done well his last, so before he got hurt, he had a hamstring injury a week ago. Mm. Didn't play so great against Arizona, but those three games before, he didn't turn the ball over. And that's huge for him because turnovers were always his issue. But if he's not turning the ball over, he does some good things. And, and you know, he's, he's a, he can move the ball and, um, you know, they, they like his talent. And so, and they like his toughness. And so uh, there was training in the right direction. The, the, this hamstring injury and then now an ankle injury couldn't have come at a worse time for him because he's still in that prove it mode. Um, and you want to avoid that damaged goods label that maybe some guys get like Sam Darnold in New York might have by now. Um, so I'm trending toward, yes, he's their answer for next year. Or they at least give it one more year. I think they want to rebuild some other spots, mm. uh, especially, you know, add maybe one more offensive lineman piece. Um you know, the defense has probably overperformed based on what I thought they would do, mm -hmm. uh, but they could always add another pass rusher. So I think they want to use maybe some of their draft capital in some areas like that, give Daniel one more year, but um, depends on how the last three weeks go too. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if, if it's not so smooth and he's, you know, fumbling the ball around, that can change things. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly the perspective can change. Uh, but it seems to be a team, you know, on an upward trajectory. Judge seems to have worked, you know, which is, yeah. was never, wasn't a given by any stretch, was it? Jeremy, really, really appreciate your time, man. I know that a lot of our listeners are big fans of your work, as am I. So it's great to uh, get the chance to finally uh, meet your work with you uh, on the show. I massively appreciate that. And uh, hopefully yeah. the international series cross fingers back uh, next year. Yeah. We'll be able to, to get, get over here and, uh, and do a show in person. Hey, I would love that. I'd, I'd be glad to do that. Make, make the sweet trip over there. That'd be, that'd be cool. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. It. Take care, Jeremy. Yeah, you too. See you guys. Great debut on the show from Jeremy Fowler. Did we expect anything less before we race through the fast picks for the weekend? Because, of course, there's Saturday football with Tom Deacon. Let's check in with Marley, who's got his 
fantasy capsule for you this weekend. Guys, I'm back with my fantasy picks this week. Semi-final time in fantasy leagues everywhere, so let's get straight down to business. My stardom is going to be Cam Akers running back for the Rams. He ran all over the Patriots last week, but this week I'm picking him for the red zone. McVeigh loves to run in short yardage situations around the goal line, and Akers has emerged as the Rams' red zone back. And touchdown points could be the difference between making the final and getting sent home. My system is going to be Calvin Ridley for the Falcons. He is the Falcons' deep threat, averaging 15.5 yards per reception this year. He's done that successfully so far this season, but I don't think that Bucks front seven is going to be allowing Matt Ryan the time to let those longer routes develop. Winfield Jr. and Carlton Davis are also very good for the Bucks in the secondary against anyone not named Tyreek Hill. And then the all-important defensive pick, which again could be the difference, could be the clincher. I'm going with the Washington football team. They have an underrated front seven. Four first-rounders on the defensive line with Chase Young as the superstar. Shades of the 49ers from last year with four first-rounders on the defensive line and Nick Bosa as the star. Washington's front seven is for real just as real as the Seahawks problems on their offensive line. Russ is the second most sacked quarterback this season. It's a problematic matchup for Seattle. I'd plug Washington into your lineup. Lovely stuff from Marley. We'll push that out uh, on social as well on our channels at the NC Show. And good luck to all of you in your fantasy playoffs this weekend. Uh, I am not in any kind of serious playoff. And then they kind of lose a bracket and do it badly in that as well. So, hey, go bigger, go bigger. Uh, right, let's get straight down to business. The fast picks with the brilliant Tom Deacon. Tom Deacon, good to see you, man. Are you ready for some quick fire picks? Oh, I am always ready to get these quick fire picks incorrect. Uh, but mm. now, always a pleasure to be here. Mm. Um, and I've, for those who can see this, uh, I've got a little backdrop. For those that can't, I'll, I'll, I'll say with words what's happening. A signed Indomitian and Sue jersey in the background and a Frank Gore signed helmet. There you go. I'm changing wow. the backdrop every time. Love it. That every time I mean, you put so much thought into this, which I really appreciate today <laughs> because you're a busy man. You've got a massive gig on Sky later on. And yet not only are you making time for the Nat Coombe show on ESPN, but you're also decorating, styling the backdrop as well. Listen, if we've learned anything about 2020, it's the little things that matter uh, and count dearly. Uh, yeah, big, big day for me with the F1 Esports Grand Final. Another season will be sewn up in a bag and a brand new driver champion, uh, $750,000 for a prize pool for the team. So, yeah, it's getting bigger and better, but so is the NFL season and it's getting very tight with all the playoff contentions happening now. Big time. Well, let's get into that. Uh, let's start with first things first, Saturday night football. Loving Saturday. I love this time of the year. We've got Saturday <laughs> night football. I mean, in this season, of course, because of COVID and the disruption, we've had double headers on Monday. We've had games going to Tuesday. I think we went to Wednesday at one point, obviously the Thanksgiving triple header. And now Saturday night rolls in as well. So two games on Saturday. Let's start with Bill's Broncos. Uh, mm. Jay Bell was on the show start of the week and he was talking about the Josh Allen train and he was on board I think he might have said back on board the Josh Allen train what about you Tom Deacon are you on board I never got off the train 
This Bad. is where Jason Bell's going wrong. Don't get off the train. If it's not your designated stop, you'll have to wait for another train and that will just impede your journey. Uh, to be I am... fair, I think I think rather than him specifying that he got off the train, I think he said there were leaves on the track. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and so there was, there was a slight, slight delay. Do you know what? I, I went to university in Exeter and uh, we actually had cows on the line at one point. So um, yeah. uh, that, that's also another excuse um, the, the or a slow moving train in front. But Josh Allen is, is, is a fast moving train at the moment and he is more accurate as a quarterback. Uh, and when he uses those legs, because I tell you what, that Bills team, for some reason, just not being able to find a consistent run game. Um, mm. And Josh Allen is, is 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 carrying that team at times, and with the mm. likes of Stefan Diggs as well, he's got weapons to throw to. Cole Beasley, his best mm. ever season in terms of yards. You have to go back to 2016 to mm. see him at Dallas Cowboys produce the same sort of numbers. So Josh Allen, I'm well behind this team, and as their defense is picking up, um, yeah, I'm all on board. I agree with Jason. It's a great point you make about Beasley, actually, which I think is often overlooked when a team introduces a, a player like Diggs, because everybody's, and, and understandably, concentrating on the production of Diggs, 100-plus catches, how he's transformed this offense, uh, or if you're looking at it in a bit more of a measured way, how he's the, the final piece in, in the jigsaw, right? And I think to, to the naked eye, that was the obvious thing that was lacking last year and the promising Bill side. But it's a knock-on effect that a player like that has on the receivers around him, right? The attention that you have to give as a defensive coordinator to a player like Diggs inevitably opens up opportunity for those other receivers, receivers around you, often if you're using them correctly. So you see it's this double whammy, this dual effect of that introduction. Interesting stat on Allen that I saw, which was originally on PFF, Mina Kimes, and I'm a company man, of course, so I'm going <laughs> to plug the ESPN crew. Mina Kimes tweeted it. So Allen's got the number one adjusted completion percentage in the NFL from a clean pocket. He's 14 when pressured. So as we often talk about in the show, there is obviously a drop with pressure, but it's not acute. It's not radical in the same way it is for, for other quarterbacks in the league. But number one adjusted completion percentage. As Mina said, if you can't get to him, you've got no chance. So the question is, Tom, can Denver disrupt things to that degree i'm not sure that they can particularly because of their secondary which is weak um and even though as you rightly say the bills struggling to establish the run i don't think it's going to matter um what about the broncos offensively if you're on board the josh allen train are you on board the drew lock tram uh, well, yes. As, as you mentioned, some beautiful points you were making about the Bills, that complementary style with Beasley and Stefan Diggs. I feel like the Broncos haven't quite worked out who they are yet mm. offensively. Right. Uh, Tim Patrick, a guy that we'd sort of forgotten about. That he's Yeah, he's a, you know the third wide receiver potentially, but yet having a great year. Uh, everyone expected Jerry Judy to, yeah. to be lights out. He is very good. I think this is a, a case of one year in the NFL, uh, get your feet, and second year, he could be a real star. And um, Fant, Noah Fant has been injured at times. I don't think it's all rested upon Drew Locke's shoulders, but I don't think he's the future. When you look at Blake Bortles, uh, think what you want of him. Uh, he is the number four quarterback behind Rippin and Driscoll and Drew Locke. Uh, I don't think they've got the quarterback of the future, the Denver Broncos. But... I think offensively, I don't know. I, I don't think they've got enough firepower to, to mm. take down the Bills. And I think it's going to be a win for the Bills. I love the Bills in this matchup as well. I know, little sneak peek here, our edge rush show, me and producer Ollie dropping that Saturday morning. 
this game is going to feature in that show. That's all I'm going to say there. Uh, maybe I've shown my hand, Tom, because I've just said I love the Bills and this game is going to feature. So you're well, probably joining well, dots. Well, I, I just think with Drew Locke, 13 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, mm. When he's tidy, when he's clean, like Josh Allen has been this season, and that's the difference for the Bills, uh, there's a chance. But I just don't think Drew Locke is that guy. Can Bradley mm. Chubb and Malik Reed get to Josh Allen? I think one of them will do. He will get sacked once in the game, but but not enough times for them to to control the game. Yeah, I'm with you. Bills all the way here. Uh, other Saturday night game, Panthers Packers, uh, which amongst other things, of course, FA Abad are absolutely balling at the moment. It has a chance. He's just sacking everybody. Eh? Quarterbacks of note all across the board. Loving to see one of Britain's finest uh, rolling in the NFL. Up against uh, a really, really tough proposition here, collectively, Carolina's defense, uh, 28th in completion percentage, 26th in passer rating. These are not good stats, Tom Deacon, when you're going up against Aaron Rodgers in in this kind of form, in this kind of knit. Where are you on the MVP debate, Rodgers or Mahomes? Wow, dropping it like it's hot there. I like that, Nat. No mucking around. Straight Uh, to it. Mahomes all day, but, but... All day? All, but you can't go against Patrick. You can't. Pat Mahomes is the man. There's no way you can go against him. However, consistently, year after year, Aaron Rodgers uh, grabs that team by the scruff of the neck and, and carries them as far as he possibly can. Green Bay, getting all the wins that they are, their defense, I'm sorry, just not good enough to be to be a, a playoff winning team at the moment. That That's my hot take on that. They're just not going to go as far as they can do. Uh but yeah, Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. They're both incredible, but Pat Mahomes takes it for me. You know who agrees with you, Tom Deacon? Who? Uh, one of our listeners, Tony Torrance. Hey, Tony, appreciate uh, the, the tweet at the NC show, incidentally, if you want to follow suit and get in touch. Uh, he says, hey, caught Monday's pod. This is the J-Belt pod. Uh, I got a bit frustrated with the Rodgers love fest. And it, there was a, <laughs> that is fair. That is a fair call, Tony, that me and J-Bell were quite gushing, to be honest, Tom, uh, about Aaron Rodgers. Make allowances for the following, says Tony. Weak schedule, two bad losses, once uh, one against a Vikings team who at the time had just two wins. Rodgers a good quarterback, but no MVP. So he's put his, Tony, this is put his flag firmly down in the Mahomes cap. Yeah, you, you, it, I feel like with Tony, he's someone who may still use a seal uh, when sending uh, a letter, nice, a wax nice. seal. Uh, I but like. I but I respect that of Tony. Yeah. Tony is consistent. I, I think we do. We do say, you know, uh, the double check, discount double check, the belt for, for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's incredible. He, he always is. Uh, you, I think there's no shame in being gushy about Aaron Rodgers. But right. just compared to Pat Mahomes, I, I just like Pat Mahomes. Does he have an easier time because you've got Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, but then... Aaron Rodgers has got Devontae Adams uh, mm. on, on his team. And Tonyan is looking very exciting as a tight end. Four touchdowns, I think, in the last four games. Great prospect. But I think Pat Mahomes is just lights out. It's an odd season for the Panthers because there's been a lot of positives and I think everybody is drinking the roulade. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> just a, I think that just occurred to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to trade oh, my wow. though. I'm taking that. Thanks, man. But, you know, you've got Joe Brady as well, who, I mean, some people, I've seen some people speculating that he might be in head coaching conversations here, at least having interviews, right, for mm. some vacant gigs, which, which may be the case. You know, very young, but very zeitgeist kind of coaching setup here. And you've got David Tepper running them, of course, who's a, a kind of new school style owner. But yet they haven't really 
I think, developed as much as they potentially could have done the, where we were a third, maybe half of the way through the season. They seem to have fizzled a fair bit. And I know, obviously, that the absence of McCaffrey for, for such long periods has significantly impacted that. But nevertheless, it feels like the Panthers need to finish this season strong, Tom. Yeah, you, you hope they, they can finish strong. Always losing a game by a couple of points here and there is, right. is deflating and disappointing for, for a team like the Panthers. But I feel like, what did we expect? Matt Rule comes in. It's not going to be a lights out year for them. Teddy Bridgewater, right. uh, I think, has played better than he should could have done. We'd look on paper. Um, mm. But without Christian McCaffrey, that, that elite piece, you know, if it's a game of chess, that elite piece that you're able to use that can do everything, the Swiss Army knife, uh, tool that you have at your disposal if he's not there he could be the massive difference that could win some of those games this season and uh, Mike Davis has done his best uh, and, and Robbie Anderson what a wide receiver uh, I'm, I'm a, a livid I didn't pick him up in fantasy I oh, he's one of those gone against him He's one of those against him. Uh, the Packers for the win. I'm picking here. That's my hot take on this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's brave of you. Uh, Thanks, mate. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, the Packers, I, I think offensively, the Panthers aren't going to worry this bad defense on the Packers that much. And, keep and up. Aaron Rodgers is going to control the game with Jones running and Jamal Williams uh, as, a, as a tandem one, two. Lovely stuff. Control the game, control the clock. Packers win for me. Texans, Colts. Texans, of course, really in the role of spoiling out this season. And that's absolutely what they can do in terms of where the Colts are, are aiming for. We talk MVP and, and it's come down, I think, realistically to the two candidates we discussed. There is that additional conversation about defensive players every year. And, and, and I get the frustration. I'm, I'm in that camp when you look at a player like Donald or Ramsey, for that matter, um, Xavier and Howard uh, in Miami. These are all contenders for the defensive player of the year. But I would argue that they should be uh, more regularly in the conversation. Mm. And then you have players like Deshaun Watson, who in many respects is playing as well as I think as Rogers or, or Mahomes, when you look at the context and, and the situation, right? He is almost single-handedly keeping the, the Texans competitive. And this is something that me and J-Ball talked about on Monday, right? That if you, if you flip situations, if you say, well, look, look at all the weapons Mahomes has got, should Rogers get extra credence for that, right? And how, how important is context? So context has to be important in my mind, in the MVP discussion, because that's the very nature of the award, right? The most valuable player on that team. And look, I know, I get, I know unless it's some unreal season, a player on a losing team is never going to win it. And so if he's in the conversation, Watson, he's the fifth or sixth seed. As I was actually reminding me a story you'd like, right? I, I won't say who, and I won't say what the show was, but there is a, a famous radio show that all of our listeners will know, right? And the um, guy who runs the production company that makes the show got in touch with me as they were having a presenter change about five or six years ago, right? Yeah. And he said, just to let you know that um, I'm going to speak to your agent. Uh, you're, you're in the mix for this. You're, you're on, our, on, our, on our list. And I was like, oh, great. Brilliant. That's, that's really good to hear. Really encouraging. Well, you know, I'd be very interested in doing it. It's, it's a great show. I'm a big fan of it. And he goes, just to be clear, you're, you're, you know, you're not exactly the favorite for the job. You're kind of, you know, if we, if we were running a book, you'd be sort of eight to one. <laughs> to me on the call. Like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. I, I love, that those are the sort of odds that uh, it, being a Southampton football fan, when I see an odds like eight to one on Danny Ings to score outside the box, I'm like, it's worth yeah. a pound. I'll it's worth a, a pound. So um, I quit on, I quit on me. Actually, yeah. one time I remember when I was when I was first with ESPN, we I was uh, 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 hosting a show with Kelly Cates, 
now Sky Sports, of course. Uh, oh, she's we, fantastic. We, yeah, she's great, Cal. We used, we hosted uh, a soccer AM type show, right? Kind of chat, entertainment chat show, right? And it was during the Avram Grant era of West Ham, and I, I think we ran a campaign to save Avram. Uh, at one stage we kind of figured everyone was slagging off Abraham we wanted to give him a bit of love and then I think when he when he finally went we had some sports uh gambling guy on who managed to get me listed I can't remember which um which bookmaker it was but got me listed in the odds for a while for the as next West Ham manager <laughs> I was on the site for a while it's like 500 to one which just must have confused the hell someone <laughs> is furious that they've put a pound on that they, they will be <laughs> they'll be asking for that pound back um <laughs> Uh, Avram Grant, the the uh, fantastic manager, went and uh, managed Ghana. Did he manage Ghana in the World Cup? Yes, he uh, did. And uh, what a manager! Um, it, it is um what I said earlier about Pat Mahomes. I'd give the award to Pat Mahomes. You've made me question, and I think mm. NFL teaches you like sometimes just so in on a player, and then all of a sudden someone gives you an alternate view, and you go, actually, that's a better opinion. I like that. Um, Aaron Rodgers is doing more in terms of the weapons he has. I I agree with you. When you look at Deshaun Watson, this is, and and against the Colts, two very differing teams in terms of ownership and the structure they have around them. It's almost as if the team, the owners of of Houston Texans are like, let's just test Deshaun Watson to see if he breaks. Let's take another wide, let's get some really flaky players offensively that aren't going to last the whole season. And let's see how Deshaun deals with this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if, if there was uh, a player to give the award to for uh, extenuating circumstances and how they have fought through that uh, adversity all season, it would definitely be Deshaun. Hopefully yeah. from this season, they can they can provide some support for him because I think if, if he was to go to someone, say like the, the Eagles or, or any team right. that are looking for a quarterback, really, you'd be like, this guy, where has he been all the time? He's been there. Give him some help, please. That is going to be one of the... the, the possible tragedies of, of this era of the nfl right if, if a player like deshaun watson is wasted you know i mean it, look he's making a lot of coin but if the texans don't sort this themselves out and they've got a big rebuild there i mean i was saying on the show the other week i actually think there's a lot that is attractive about that gig if the upside all goes right yeah which is uh which is the danger i think when you look at particularly at the start of the season when you look at a team's chances and you think like the Lions and they're, they're playing the Titans. We'll talk about that game in a minute, right? Everyone was like, well, if, if you know, Stafford's back to his best and Akuda works out and hits the ground running and this and this and this, and you think, yeah, that was all pretty logical. But all of these things have to break for this for this yeah. to go right. And, I, and the Texans, I think, are one of those situations where they don't have much draft capital, obviously. They've got talent there, but if Will Fuller stays fit and, and, and eligible <laughs> and, uh, and other, other factors. You're spot on. It's, it's kind of like they played a card and that was a very interesting card to play with, the, with Hopkins going to the Cardinals. Hey, we need draft picks. Let's get rid of our, our best wide receiver. I know you've got Kenny Stills. You say Will Fuller. The, Kenny Stills isn't the guy you, you go to occasionally every now has this phenomenal touchdown. It's you're like not going to build a team around touchdown, him. Yeah. But, yeah. but you're not going to build around him. And then you've got Duke Johnson, David Johnson. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair Don, enough. Don Johnson. <laughs> Rand- <laughs> uh, and then um, you've got uh, Randall Cobb as well. These are not players that are going to stay on their feet for the whole season. Um, right. Can Romeo Cornell stay there? Is he the head coach to, to lead this team? They need a, a, a GM that's going to but you yeah. back them. Uh, it, yeah. It's it's a fascinating um, rebuild right mm. there. And then you've got JJ Watt, who's doing everything yeah. he possibly can. I'll score a touchdown for you guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, fascinating how they've played 
I think the wrong card we can look mm. on in, in hindsight now. They came close to beating the Colts a couple of weeks back. I don't think they will again, though. I think Fuller's a massive loss for them. So I think the Colts at home all the way here. Lions-Titans is next. And of course, a player that might be, we mentioned Matt Stafford a moment ago. He's got cracked ribs. So at the moment, at the time of recording this, unlikely to play, although Stafford is a tough customer. So watch that space closely. If he doesn't know, Tom Deacon, Oh, Next no, matter, one of our one of our all time favorites, stealing a living. Here Chase, he is, Chase Daniels back. I remember what show were you and I doing? It must have been like four radio show about four years ago. When we were talking about Chase Daniels and saying, you know, actually he's he's not he's not bad, is he? It was the yeah. it was the most damn Kool Aid praise. What Kool Aid had we been drinking? Chase Daniel, you look at his earnings and you're like. If a man has stolen some coin, uh, it's Chase Daniel. And, and I love all the reports going into this game against the Titans. You know what? Don't be so hard on Chase Daniel. You've got, you know, got Hawkinson, you've got Marvin Jones. I, th- I think he can do a fair job. Uh, yeah. Remarkable backup quarterback. Uh, hey, if Mike Glennon can play, um, hey, why not give Chase Daniel a go? What, what I think is brilliant on ESPN, and I'm also a company man, even as a guest. You are. Uh, uh, Frank Ragnall uh, fractured his throat yeah. in the last game which is absolutely stunning. Just whispering, guys, I won't be able to call any of the plays. And, <laughs> and, and you've got uh, Stafford and Chase Daniel laughing at him almost. They'd never heard of an injury like that. Fractured his throat. Uh, oh. uh, it'll be interesting to see if he plays. Yeah. <laughs> Unlikely, I think is the answer. <laughs> Incidentally, Derek Henry, uh, this uh, stat courtesy uh, of our man Marley, uh, who uh, will be bringing fantasy uh, stars on the show, of course. Um, uh, 191 yards Henry needs to average in his last three games to break the all-time single-season rushing record. So Henry, another name, you know, that's going to be uh, a fifth or sixth seed for MVP, an eight-to-one shot, you might say, <laughs> for the uh, for the MVP. But he's having another extraordinary season, and I think it, you, it would take a brave man to back against that. And if he gets closer to that, because you know, averaging 191, you could pop sort of two twenty-two thirty, and then the last couple of games. They're going to roll with them. Although, of course, I guess the flip side of that is if they know what where they're going to land seed-wise and they can't really uh, affect that at all in the final week of the season, do they wheel Henry out? Or do they let him go for the record? I think Vrabel will probably do the latter. I think it will be uh, you know, a big, big thing for, for the team if they if they do that. Uh, mm. Titans all the way, I guess we're, we're, we're saying here. Uh, yes, we are. We're also saying that they are so bad in the secondary uh, th- this yeah. year and with the likes of Jono Smith got a knee injury AJ mm. Brown ankle uh, yeah. you, you're resting on Davis a little bit um, Derek Henry's going to have to run that football but if somehow Chase Daniel was to get an early lead <laughs> somehow uh, uh, would they still be running the football or are they going to try and air it out with Tannehill um, I-, I think yes you'd go with the Titans but defensively they how far are the Titans going to go uh, for the rest of this season? In even in the playoffs, they can't put any pressure on defensively on the opposition quarterback. Um, you know, it's a great point, and I and I wonder if it is one. And this was a, a suggestion OC made on the show a few weeks back, right? When I was saying to OC, which team realistically out of all of the pack can go toe to toe with the with the Chiefs, and he suggested it was the Titans, and for that reason that they'll they'll concede the points in the same way the Chiefs you can score on them but they they can can go at it more than any other team in the AFC and at the time I thought the Steelers I I said the Steelers I know they're on a on a tilt at the moment but that I don't think that's going to last I I think they can rebound and that is I guess the way they're looking at it and I suppose that organizationally the Titans defensively should should be 
competent and we've not seen too many halves of football like the ones we saw against the Browns. I think that is, mm. there aren't enough big names on it uh, or, or playmakers and big names is a stupid thing to say. There aren't enough playmakers on it, right? They're not that, that type of defense. But I think with Vrabel, they can be efficient enough to keep them in the mix if they are counter-punching and counter-punching all the time offensive. I think that's got to be there. That got. Be, I wouldn't like to, out of all of those teams in the AFC other than the Chiefs, I would not like to face the Titans. I'd be looking at that and thinking, yeah, you know, Browns, you Ravens with their concerns. It's the the, the uh, Titans, the team I would be most worried about facing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what you say about Derek Henry, uh, whether they rest in Rabel says, uh, let's go for the awards, which, which yeah. will last forever. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we kind of need you because you are our main threat. If we are going to control the game, control the clock. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say Titans. Also, shout out to, to Marley. I'm sure he won't mind this. Uh, he was telling me be- before I came on that he's had uh, Wi-Fi problems in the bedroom, which are which are the best problems to, to have if you're going to have any problems. So uh, <laughs> shout out to the producer, Marley. Great stats, man, as well. Big stats, man. Loving that. Uh, Bears-Vikings, which I figure is a game that you could show, just the two teams you could show right now, if you could freeze the season right here at this very moment, Tom, yeah. and show fledgling gms and head, head head coaches or you know future gms and head coaches as a cautionary tale if you're if you're not careful this is where you could end up in this weird kind of purgatory where you are not de- devastatingly bad you're not going to be get you're not in going to jet jags territory we're going to get a shot of trevor lawrence you might just eke in the back door of the playoffs and then whimper out in the wild card round your fans are dismayed there are so many things wrong with your team, but you're kind of there, but you've nailed on with Kirk Cousins for a few more years. Mitch yep. Trubisky's back now. Oh, we're, with, we're back with Mitch. It's okay. We're good. I mean, miserable seasons really for, for both teams with such a great history and a great franchise, a proper football, yeah, football cities. You know, it's, um, it is it's sad what, to see that this kind of abject, it, it, you know, anodyne level that they're at. Yeah, uh, nail on the head, hit quite hard and uh, accurately from you, Nat. Um, this is why tailgating was invented and eating food uh, whilst watching your team. Uh, this is two teams of Bears, the Vikings. Um, Matt Nagy, how does he still have a job? Uh, Zimmer relying on a kicker too much. Uh, Cousins yeah. doesn't like to throw the ball any further than 10 yards. It's just, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's two teams. And and yet the Bears spent so much defensively. And, mm. and you're like, where's Khalil Matt gone? Um, it's, it's an interesting one. Both of these teams. Mitch Trubisky isn't going to get anyone excited. Neither is Cousins. Dalvin Cook salvages this mm. Vikings team uh, mm. a, a lot of the time. And Jefferson, great wide receiver. Great. I think he's going to have a brilliant game uh, uh, against the Browns. I'm tipping him to have a good one. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I'll probably just watch the highlights of this one, to be honest. They're both six and seven. So whoever loses it is done. There is a backdoor route for the winner. Of course, being a 500 after this stage of proceedings. So that's interesting. Interesting matchup in the Seahawks. Washington game as well, I think, because the offensive line is, is the increasing problem for Seattle. Like getting their defense kind of sorted, right? And mm-hmm. it's the offensive line that is a mess. Russ has been taking a whole lot of damage recently. And this is one of the best front sevens in, in the league with Washington. They're tied for fourth in the NFL with 40 sacks, fifth in terms of pass rush win rate. That's an ESPN stat company man uh over 50 actually in the latter so this is a really really interesting matchup and now look the question mark is is alex smith going to play because i think if Dwayne haskins starts much as it would be great to see him shut the haters up and and have a big game and props to him if he does manage that but 
on the basis that Smith doesn't start and Haskins is in, I think this is a Seattle win all the way. But that that matchup in the trenches is going to be fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Uh, the Seahawks, uh, as you mentioned, you asked me, MVP this year. Russell Wilson is not in the mix anymore. And right. it's so weird that uh, he's a fantastic quarterback. As a Niners fan, I look at Russell Wilson going, oh, if only the Niners had Russell. Uh I think he's tried to do too much. We've seen when mm. you do that with Carson Wentz, you, it, it's not going to work out for you. Uh, mm. Stick to your strengths at times. The Seahawks, can they protect Russell Wilson against a phenomenal uh, uh, defense? Uh, and as a Niners fan, I know all about that. Chase Young uh, is hot right now. So is uh, uh, Sweats. It, it's, it's, it's such a dominant defense from Washington. And as you say about Dwayne Haskins, um, could he relift Terry McLaurin, uh, the wide receiver who's gone missing mm. for the last couple of games? I, I, I doubt it very much. And Antonio Gibson was really giving that Washington uh, offense that lift they needed. Yeah, um, right. Uh, I just, I just think, I just think with DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett and Will Disley catching a few, getting a touchdown last week. I, I think this is a Seahawks win, but it's going to be very close. And um, mm. hopefully, Dwayne Haskins can put himself in the mix with the likes of Sam Darnold and Mitch Trubisky and every other quarterback who's looking for a move. <laughs> every kind of quarterback who might get <laughs> a move to a, a ranking of sort of 29th next season is what they're aiming at. It, you know, on that, on the radio, on a radio show on Sunday, I think it was Will Gav that made the point about the, and talking specifically about Chase Young, right? That would the, it was Will or Mike anyway, would the Washington football team have, if they could go back and do it all differently, still gone with Chase Young or looked at Tua or indeed uh, Justin Herbert, right? And it's easy with 2020 hindsight. The idea being that if you land a, a quarterback that you can build a team around to that level and with both of those players, we still don't know whether they're going to end up being a, a kind of Watson, Mahomes level talent or a Cousins level talent, right? There is There is still the possibility that either of those might have a solid career, but not be anything to write home about uh, in, in those terms? Or do you go for that defensive piece that you can, can build a defense around that can impact games to that degree? And I, I get the argument, of course, that the quarterback is the most influential position in, in sports, full stop, let alone the NFL. But I, I, like, I like the move. I like teams taking a player like Chase Young, who is the defensive equivalent of a, uh, of a lock, Right. And you can just build everything around him. And I think this Washington team is demonstrating that this season that it's not just him. I mean, he's got some really strong pieces around him and partners in crime in that respect. But I it's helped shape the identity of Washington. And, and, I, and I think it was a great move. Hey, listen, Tom, we've got a time against us and you've got places to be in TV shows to make. So let's rattle through the final five. So the 49ers okay. Cowboys, your 49ers love. You must love the fact that that the, the Cowboys have been flexed out of prime time. So it means you don't, uh, not that it affects you in the UK as much, but you don't get to see the 49ers in prime time, but Jerry Jones doesn't get to have the Cowboys in prime time. So it's kind of evened out, right? Yeah, I, I like it. Both of these teams are are what we what I'd say we're not where we expected to be at the beginning of this season. And you mm. asked and mentioned about Chase Young, should you have taken him? We took uh, Bosa, Nick Bosa, yeah. uh, and fell short in the Super Bowl because our quarterback wasn't quite right. the be all and end all. Um, right. So it can work for Washington. That's just something I, I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, to say uh, the, the, the season for the Niners is, is been poor. 
in terms of injuries. We have not got a running game going. Why did we pay Tevin Coleman huge money uh, to, to do very little? Uh, McKinnon not quite been there. Uh, Raheem Mustard keeps getting injured. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, it's just been a, just a let, just let's put this season in the bin yeah. <laughs> and start again. Debo Samuel first snap against Washington uh, pulls a hammy. You're like, well, this this is this summarizes our season, and it's exactly the same <laughs> sure. for the Cowboys as well. Um, yeah. And it's it's been. I think one good thing is Alden Smith. I know he's had quite a, a an interesting uh, uh, life. It's mm. questionable at times. However, he. Is on uh, the path back to, to to doing something good and playing mm. really great football on the defense. That's Olden Smith, and um, I, I like it. Two poor teams this year. What's happened to uh, uh, Zeke Elliott? Uh, Tony yeah. Pollard is the future. It's just two teams where you're like, it's not gone right for you in, in any way, shape, or form this year. That is more. We've got to we've got to make a list of all the great quotes we've had this season that we're going to put on merch. Essentially, Tony Pollard is the future. Is definitely Marley. Note this one down. I love that. I want that on a mug. Tony Pollard is the future. It it is so mad when you look at that compared to um to uh, uh Derek Henry. We all thought right. that Derek Henry was gonna he's gonna take a step back. It hasn't. And then we're all going Zeke. He's yeah. the guy. Where's yeah. he gone? It's yeah. It's, it's a fascinating year. Uh, is is uh, Mick McCarthy going to stick around any longer to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys? They can't get rid of him yet. And Dak's gone down the same way that Jimmy G did this season. Um, hey, listen, just put it in the bin this year for both teams. Six tight ends. That's what he's coach. You sure you wanted you want to line up with six? I don't think we have six tight ends on the roster, coach. Yeah, is this microphone on? I said six tight ends. <laughs> what was it? What was the formation? Six, six tight ends and a fullback. <laughs> coach, you don't have enough guys on the line really for, for that. Another player is down. Get the magic sponge. <laughs> oh, we, the off season, we're gonna, we're gonna work that one. I tell you, all right. Um, one line on each of these, right? Uh, incidentally, I love uh, Marley uh, putting the running. Marley's getting a lot of attention on the show today, and rightly so. Marley putting the show running order together, uh, and, and I'm as surprised, listeners, as you are, that there is a run, there is a running order for this show. Uh, in his show notes, uh, this is what he wrote about Bucks Falcons, Tom. Sure. Uh, Ryan uh, Matt Ryan sees Brady for the first time since he ripped his heart out in Super Bowl Fifty One. That's quite an emotional yeah. way of describing it. I felt. And it's very apt because the Falcons have never been the same again. Uh, right. Matt Ryan and the uh, the, the offense, uh, Julio Jones, injured, not injured. Calvin Ridley trying to carry the reins. Defensively, Not you, they're, they're not easy to run against. That's because they're True. so good uh, at being thrown against. Um, I, um, I, it, where are the Falcons? Who are the Falcons? I like Raheem Morris. I think he, he's given them a lift. It's four and four now. Four yeah. losses, four wins. I think he gets the gig. I win you. I think I think that's a good shout. I was at that Super Bowl, Tom, and my God, just looking at Arthur Blank in particular on the sidelines because he'd gone down and that, you know because he's by all accounts a stand-up guy, right? And just mm. that will haunt me. Uh, just Arthur Blank because that was all unraveling. Um, but Thomas Dimitrov is 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 gone as well. Yeah. They're a team in in rebuild. Uh, yeah. Matt Ryan, I hope, uh, serves himself well in, in this game and 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 shows Tom Brady what things could have been like but no this yeah. this is a bucks win unfortunately even with um ronald jones out I, I i still see the bucks putting up enough numbers against the falcons i like a lot of points in this as well uh ravens jags uh, jets rams rams and ravens respectively the home teams i mean that, that, that straight out wins for for them i can't see anything other although the ravens banged up at corner you know the injury issues there but i i, I don't think that the jags realistic uncle rico's back up. 
Uncle Rico is back, Nat. Gardner Minshew. How much you want to bet I can throw this football over that mountain? Maybe, uh, uh, maybe I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I've, uh, I've uh, underestimated the Jags here, but I think, no, I think it's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eagles cards. Interesting because Jalen hurts uh, rolls on. And I'm, so it makes this a fascinating matchup when you look at the, the, the two quarterbacks there and the Cardinals have got, well, they've both got stuff at stake because the Eagles will still think they're in the mix. Well, they are in the mix mathematically, but the cards uh, are in must win, mm. must win situation. Right. So that's interesting. I'm shaving cards, I think, because I'm just not really buying this Eagles side, but it does make it a lot more interesting with, with Hertz in because they don't have enough tape on him. That will correct itself. I don't think we really saw what he could do with his arm. So not mm. if you're strongly about this game, but I'm probably leaning cards here. I'll give you the Monday night football game to the pick Steelers Bengals. Okay. Um, because we could be seeing Ryan Finley in primetime, which I know you're very excited about. I'm, I'm pumped about that. And so is the whole of Cincinnati. <laughs> they are waiting for Finley. Uh, this is a bounce back uh, win for the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, well done to them, even though uh, Connor's down and they haven't really been able to 47 yards in the last game. I know they were trailing and then had to, to, to air the football out, but um, if they can somehow find either maybe Snell steps up and, and delivers, um, that'll be better for them down the stretch. But yeah, yeah. this is a Steelers win. It's a good, good, good soft spot to land, isn't it? I do wonder with players like Ryan Finley, how I oh, would love to know how many shirts they sold of Finley this year. Like ask the club shop. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> I just, you know, those kind of players where they are available, but, or you could get them printed on. Yeah, but they come 30% off before the season's even started. Do you want a Finley shirt? Yeah, I'll give you 30%, 40%. Don't leave the shop. Don't leave the shop. Come back, please. 50% off on a Finley shirt. Um, yeah, it's like when you look at Cousins uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Trubisky, you're like, God, yeah, all right, I'll take that. Um, do you know what? Fair play. It's going to be, there aren't going to be many made. So you've, mm. you've got yourself a limited edition shirt there. Love it. Hey, great to catch up with you, bud. It is always a pleasure. So uh, we can catch you on, on Sky Sports tonight if you're listening to this on Thursday as we drop this, right? Um, yes. And of and, course, how, well, hey, you go ahead. You, you take it away. No, I was just going to say, yes, you can watch it, but you can always watch it back. The beautiful thing of YouTube and, uh, and uh, the East, F1 Esports uh, website, uh, an absolute pleasure uh, to um, to kind of be in your company now and everyone else's. And I'm looking forward to week 15. Saturday football's back. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love the shirt uh, as well, the suit shirt, and just the, the time and attention you put into to that backdrop. If uh, you have no idea what we're talking about because you're listening to the pod, head on over to our social channels at the ANC Show. We'll see videos of me and Tom and indeed all week long. It's a great one to J Bell, OC from last week as well. So if you haven't followed us already on social, that is how you do it. Look after yourself, bud. See you soon. You too. Take care now. Brilliant stuff from Tom. He will be back soon. You can count on that back in uh, the new year. We're back Saturday with our Edge Rush show. Me and producer Ollie, we're rolling through the festive season. So the pod's coming thick and fast as we get down to the nitty gritty and the playoff race uh, as playoff picture certainly gets decided. So make sure if you haven't already just checked in and haven't subscribed to us, you do whichever platform you listen to us on and incidentally many thanks to all of you who've taken the time to leave reviews i've said it a couple of times this season we massively appreciate it whether it's itunes Castbox, whichever platform you're listening to us on and you're able to leave a review many thanks we appreciate you taking time to do that and if you haven't already that was a pretty heavy hint 
<laughs> right? So you could go, yeah, 30 seconds, it'll take you. Uh, we are back, as I say, Edge Rush Saturday, back on Monday, uh, looking back at what I'm sure will be another whirlwind weekend of football. Enjoy it. Enjoy the Saturday football as well, gang, and we'll see you Monday. Podcast Network.